0: allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26 at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org/thrive.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and
0: The Voice of an Awakening World How to eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Do you remember the first time you heard certain words? I remember that with a word I first heard in high school, it was autistic. And I thought someone was simply pronouncing artistic wrong, but they explained to me that it was a mysterious, very rare disorder affecting children, primarily boys. Well, I think we can still say that it's mysterious, but it is unfortunately no longer rare And we are going today to be talking about autism and autism spectrum disorders, and maybe if there are natural solutions that work. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Program. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is a topic we haven't covered before. It's a big one. It's important. And I'm very excited to be introducing you to Karen Ramsey, someone that I have known for a good long time. And if you're a parent, you may have already read uh, one of her books, like Creating Healthy Children. Well, she has a brand new book, Heal and Prevent Autism, Natural Solutions That Work. We're going to be joined later by one of her clients and then in the second half by Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who, along with his son's special education teacher, Daniel Campbell, wrote the foreword for Karen Ramsey's book, Heal and Prevent Autism. Karen herself is a four-decade speech and language pathologist with 20 years experience working with students with autism from ages 3 to 21. She's also highly respected in the vegan and the raw food world and is the director of the 100-hour raw vegan certification course. Welcome, Karen Rancy.
1: Thank you so much, Victoria. I am so excited to be here with you and also to have T. Colin Campbell come and join us. Well,
2: you're both a couple of my favorite people, so I know (laughs) I'm going to be really excited about this conversation. And it's also so important. This is something that, as I said in the intro, I'd never heard of as a kid And now it's just almost an epidemic. So let's start a little bit, Karen, with just learning about you for people who don't know you yet about your work as a speech pathologist and how you developed a special interest in autism spectrum disorder.
1: Um, well, I'll just start off with my history. Um, my background growing up, I did not grow up on a vegan diet, even though I was very fortunate that my father and my grandmother, um, were both vegans before that word was even known. Uh, back in 1921, my grandmother had asthma and emphysema and She was in the hospital. The doctors gave her medicines that just made her much worse. And they said she only had a few months to live because of her emphysema. And she found um, a little book that came out at that time, The Mucusless Diet Healing System, came out in 1918. And she read that book, and it saved her life. She lived another 50 years and that was in my family history that my grandmother had this really unusual healing story, um, but my mother did not believe that she could raise her children on a plant way of eating because she didn't believe that we could get enough protein, the most common question. So I was not raised that way. However, it always stayed with me. And later on, when I had a child, my second child, with asthma and chronic ear infections, the first three years of his life, being very, very ill, I realized that going to a vegan diet might change everything. And so I was already vegetarian, but eating a lot of dairy. And um, we went to a vegan diet and then a raw vegan diet with lots of juicing and fruits and vegetables. And my child who had life-threatening asthma healed in 10 to 11 months. And I just also want to say that that those are risk factors for autism. Respiratory issues um, are risk factors. Ear infections, it's showing lower autoimmunity. And so I feel really blessed that we found this healthy whole food diet. At the same time, I have been a speech and language pathologist for 43 years and worked with children on aut- with autism for 20 years. And I was watching in the public schools, how these kids were being fed chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese and being reinforced with M&Ms and potato chips and all the therapies in the world, which may be wonderful therapies, the speech therapy that I was doing, the physical therapy, occupational therapy, so many different therapies that are offered through the different programs. But there wasn't notable progress in most of the kids I was seeing. And I felt more and more that it was about the food that these kids were eating. And especially at lunchtime, they would eat these big, heavy, mucusy lunches. And in the afternoon, I felt like they were numb. They just couldn't even stay awake sometimes. And I started to explore on my own with, uh, with people who were willing to bring their families, um, mostly husband and wife who were coming to me because they wanted to see if a plant-based approach could help their child with autism. And what I have seen over the years has been extremely impressive in terms of starting to turn around those symptoms of autism. And I have one of my past clients who is happy to come in today and join us a little bit later um, and to talk about her son with autism who has had a lot of healing from the symptoms that kept him back from communicating. So oh, autism- that's wonderful. Because
2: yeah. mm-hmm. I think this is one of those things that that most people believe th- there's just very little that can be done. So what are the statistics? I mean, how bad is it out there? How prevalent is this? Does, does it ever seem to reverse itself, just left to its own devices? What,
1: what's the general picture of this disease? Yeah, that is an excellent question, and the most important one as well. Because 43 years ago, when I started as a speech pathologist, Autism was one in 10,000, one in 10,000. I hardly ever saw a child with the symptoms of autism. Now, there are some people who are saying that, well, the diagnosis just, you know, it wasn't um, diagnosed properly. But I can tell you as a speech pathologist that I did not see children with autism. Now, in my state of New Jersey, today, autism is one in thirty-two children, and these children have uh, receptive and expressive language delay. They uh, they have behavior issues. They often have mood issues. They have communication problems, and they don't engage as part of their communication disorder, they do not engage, many of them do not make eye contact. And even the ones that do, some of them only play parallel play, even older children. Uh, Some of them, I think 50% and most of the work that I did in the schools was with children who were nonverbal. And over the years, not being able to communicate and express yourself causes a tremendous amount of frustration. So we can totally understand where all of these behaviors come from. And many of these parents are so distraught that they are sitting home with their kids. They're afraid to bring them out places. And I've worked with some of those families Uh, and many of these kids have gastrointestinal disturbances and you'll see that, uh, that they have constipation, bloating, gas, uh, reflux, and some of these kids, when they start to change the diet and the lifestyle to a whole plant lifestyle, whole plants, that they start to improve their digestion. And when they start to improve their digestion, one of the first rewards that the parents have, is that their child is not constipated anymore, that their child is digesting food more easily. And this leads to other positive outcomes. And so my belief is that getting in more whole vegan foods, and especially fresh, that's what I'm known for teaching, is about the raw vegan foods, that these kids start to make real changes and sometimes it can happen quickly, especially if the child is young, but I am excited even for older people and adults with autism because I even know people in their twenties and thirties who have been turning around the symptoms of autism through a whole plant lifestyle and raw food.
2: That. Almost seems too good to be true, and yet when you think of what a lot of children eat, it's a much more radical shift than than we might be thinking. So, what Karen is done conventionally for kids with autism, and what do you recommend that's different? And I understand you're you're not a healthcare provider, but as the author of this book and someone who's worked in this field for a long time, you've done a lot of research. I I believe you
1: are fully qualified to answer this question. Thank you, Victoria. And I also have taken numerous courses under my speech pathology degree in feeding therapy. And so I have worked in the school. Even teachers at the school have asked me to work, let's say, with a child who is having an issue with, uh, with finicky eating. Uh, there was one child who was only eating chocolate refined pudding loaded with sugar and she wasn't eating other foods and especially did not like fruits and vegetables. And I did a whole desensitization program with her uh, when I was working with her and I did not force her to eat, but we did activities through sensory integration because a lot of these kids are very sensitive to textures in food. And so they will only eat something that they are very used to. And I had to, for example, take a strawberry and desensitize her to it by doing art activities with it and smelling it and uh, her just watching me eating strawberries but not asking her. So it was, you know, using the taste but not having her taste it right away, having her visually watching and having her do things with the strawberry. And then over time, what I did was I put, I took the strawberry and I made it into a syrup by blending it. And I started to add it up to a little bit of that chocolate pudding. And she gradually started to like strawberries. Now with some kids, I don't have to do this whole program. Some kids like some fruits and vegetables. So a lot of it is what we take out of the diet. Um, now, in a typical program for autism, you'll very rarely see a healthy lifestyle added to that. But there is a lot of discussion about this in feeding therapy for autism. And I have used this successfully with my private clients because I have been coaching families for many years in healthy lifestyle, but I also used it at the school and specific teachers over the years were interested in vegan nutrition and they wanted me to see if I could implement some of it, even if it wasn't trying to get a child to go vegan, if it was getting the child to eat more fruits and vegetables, that was the goal. Um, And I've seen kids who didn't like any fruits or vegetables start to enjoy them just around doing language activities that involved, for example, making a fruit salad, making a green smoothie. And they started to love these things. So you talk in the book, Karen,
2: about toxic load and how these lifestyle changes can reduce that. What is it and what's it re- what is its relationship to, als- to uh, autism?
1: We are living in a time when there are many toxic exposures. Um, there's pesticides and there's genetically modified foods that are sprayed with Roundup, which is known as glyphosate. And senior researcher at MIT, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, has done a lot of work on industrial food. And uh, I have a whole chapter on this in my book, Heal and Prevent Autism, on how these industrial foods are affecting autism and how women during pregnancy eating these foods that have glyphosate that this is one of the main causes of autism. Um, Also, lots of packaged, processed, industrialized foods contain MSG, monosodium glutamate, which is an excitotoxin. And a lot of the labeling in the ingredients, people don't even know what they are. And they are exciting the nervous system. And these are all things to pay attention to. Um, high fructose corn syrup is genetically modified and is often one of the earlier ingredients in processed packaged stuff. And all of this affects the kids' gut health. And if we want to have the children growing up with A good gut microbiome. We have to strengthen that with the healthy whole foods that are not processed in any way, that are not genetically modified. We need to start focusing on these healthy whole organic plant foods, which is really really crucial. Mm -hmm. um, You know.
2: Wow, and someone has joined us now, Karen, whom I believe you have worked with and who has done some of these things in her family. Are you here with us,
3: Maria? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me on and thank you, Karen, for um, inviting me. Yeah.
1: Well, love to have hi, you.
2: Maria. Welcome to the program. So, how did you find Karen and what has your experience been?
3: Yeah, so um we first contacted Karen when we lived in Hawaii after our third free birth with our daughter. And um, we were about to move back to the States. So I'll just give you a little background story with our son, Skyron, who is on the autism spectrum. He was diagnosed with an all-around developmental delay when we lived in Hawaii. Um, We started noticing changes around 22 months after his uh, brother, Renan, was born in the Philippines. And then um, we moved back to the states from the Philippines, and uh, after about a month moving back midwinter, we were like eating a lot of we were eating a lot of <laughs> grass fed dairy pizza gluten sourdough kind of like the winter comfort foods I guess, and we started noticing he stopped talking he stopped eye contact altogether. And um, he started isming a lot, so or some people know that as skimming, um, where anything that moved in a circular motion, fast objects, just um, his arms are just flare. and he still does that today, but he has a little more control and um, uh, more awareness around that. So, um, yeah, it's funny because I never thought, like, oh, I'm, I, in a way, I was kind of avoiding this. in a uh, a sense, because we home birthed our our child, so there was no, like, hospital interventions or anything. I'm like, how could this be? Um, So we found Karen. Um, I found Karen through a friend, a dear friend of mine, who uh, is also a raw vegan, and she suggested that I reach out to her. So I emailed her, and um, it was – I kind of knew of this information, but not to the um, detail of what – we went through with Karen and Karen really helped us um, transition fully to a plant-powered lifestyle. And uh, shortly after that, Skyron became um, just more grounded. Uh, He had more eye contact, more art was starting to come from him. He's He's a composer and he composes things through, (laughs) <laughs> clay and um so he will make every musical notation you can ever think of um and it looks like it's textbook um he's only seven and uh he actually started responding to his name again and talking and now um he's uh really talking a lot more now and just having an imagination which was like the first time that ever really happened after we were working with karen so um yeah i'm a firm believer on transitioning to um, a vibrant plant-based, love-based lifestyle. Um, my my partner and I are both health coaches now um, together, and um, I think Karen has a lot uh, to do with that as well. She uh, helped us become a stronger family and really helped um, our relationship in an indirect way because my partner and I actually weren't on the same pages as far as... Um, a life, our our um, diet went. So I was, I was a vegan, and he, he was before, and then he wasn't, and then, um, and now we, we both are. So now we're helping families transition to, our, um, looking to, really take their health back.
2: Oh, that is really beautiful. So uh, Karen, when Maria first called you, did her situation seem unusual, or, or were you thinking this is very typical? I can help.
1: I knew I could help, especially because Maria Victoria was very motivated and the fact that her partner was on the same page with her as far as being supportive, he was a little skeptical, um, especially about things I think like fish, because so many people feel that they need fish for the essential fatty acids. However, when I helped them to understand that there is quite a bit of mercury in fish and that fish can can actually be the cause of autism. And there is research in my book about this um i think that it really opened his eyes and he really came on the same page to support the whole process so that was very exciting and wow. we could see as we went along that this young boy was um, making more and more communication with his family, that he was playing more with his siblings. Whereas I think they told me that before that he really was not also his behaviors. He became much more calm. And that that, that was huge because I think that a lot of these kids are very frustrated and each and every child with autism is very unique. Not one is the same in in their characteristics and it's and they're also extremely brilliant as you could hear her just saying with that he's composing and he loves music and um they are really brilliant so it's a matter of communication yes so excuse me i i just want to get maria
2: in once more before the break i'm sorry karen so maria we've only got a couple of minutes but can you just tell us what does what your kind of family health lifestyle look like today? What do you eat? Do you exercise? Do you pay extra attention to getting out in the sun? Just how does it work for you guys?
3: Yeah, so I make it a goal almost every day for us to be outside, no matter what, and really bare our feet, ground down, really connect to the earth and connect to just the environment around. So we're a really active family. Um, we actually travel a lot together, and so I unschool my kids, um, or world school, some people call it, or child led learning. So um, they are exposed to a lot of things, and um, um, honestly, my my son, our son Skyren, he really Is his best self when we are like on the go versus like staying in the same place? Um, He's just always been an adventurous type of person. He like flew on an airplane the first for the first time when he was only five months old. So, um, yeah, we're really active. I'm actually an an athlete. Um, um, I'm a ninja athlete. I've been on American Ninja Warrior this past year, and my husband actually trains with me too. So, I mean, being on a plant-powered lifestyle, I just noticed, like, recovery time is literally cut in half, if not more. Like, I'm not even sore for, like, a few days where it would, I would be sore after a workout for, like, weeks. But, yeah, so we're a really active family. um, And, you know, thinking back about things, obviously, you can't, you can't avoid all of this. Um, heavy metals and glyphosate in our in our world but you can totally detox and heal and regenerate and um, cells to be healthy and it is really through a plant-powered lifestyle and um, I ate a lot of fish during my pregnancy with Skye and uh, I just I was like a pescatarian then so sometimes I wonder I'm like maybe I did that, maybe it, it has mm. something to do with it. and also
2: my partner I'm so sorry Maria we're coming up on our break I would love to invite you to stay if if you can through the break and join us in the conversation with uh, Dr. Campbell afterwards so everybody stay with us is this interesting or what yeah we'll be back
0: Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Hey, everybody, thanks for staying with us for the second half of this fascinating episode. If you are new to the world of Main Street Vegan, do check out MainStreetVegan.net where you will find show notes uh, connecting you to today's guests and lots of other cool information over there as well. We also have on Facebook the Main Street Vegan Partners Group and this is where we offer lots of, of books giveaways and we can answer personal questions and you can give us input on what you want to hear on this podcast. So do a join up Main Street Vegan podcast listeners. So we have been joined during the break by the inimitable Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who needs no introduction. You know him as the profound and very honored nutritional biochemist, uh, the author of the New York Times bestseller, The China Study, uh, describing the world-changing findings of his long-term study that the New York Times has called the Grand Prix of Epidemiology. We also have Karen Ramsey. She is the author of Heal and Prevent Autism, Natural Solutions that Work. And you can find Karen on her website superhealthychildren.com. She's on Instagram at superhealthyraw and all of her URLs will be There at mainstreetvegan.net. And we are also joined by one of Karen's clients, Maria Daral. But if you are an America's Ninja Warrior fan like me, you know her as the Gaia Ninja. So she is not only raising a family and using these wonderful principles to work with her child on the autism spectrum and her entire family, but also to nourish her her own a super athletic body and her athletic pursuits. So it's wonderful to have everyone with us today. So Dr. Campbell, um, I'll bet people ask you to write forewords for their books probably daily. <laughs> uh, what was it about this one, about um, this book on autism that led you to say, yeah, that's something I want to have my name on?
4: Well, maybe two or three different reasons. Uh, number one, uh, Karen obviously has been in the business for a long time, and so I certainly respect people with that kind of experience for sure. Uh, but secondly, too, uh, I don't know that much about it. I know it's a problem. I do know that. And my son, who unfortunately could not make it today, um, he's a coach of a soccer team, and <laughs> that's where he's in the school where he was teaching. But in any case, um, he has experience with some children. You know, with autism, for sure. I've heard a lot about it. Uh, and uh, thirdly, I would like to learn more uh, because I think the role of nutrition has such a breadth of effect with it's done right that I can't help but believe that there's considerable advantage, you know, on this as well. And in fact, I sort of know there is. I looked there and told that in the book. But, uh, yes.
2: And I love that you talked about the broad spectrum. And I, I did want to ask Maria, I know you're doing this in, in part to to help your, your child and your family, but the same way of eating that's helping your children is also fueling your athleticism. And I know a lot of people say, oh, there just wouldn't be enough protein. There wouldn't be enough calories. I'm an athlete. I need more than that. Well, nobody is more athletic
3: than you. So how does that work? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Um, First of all, Dr. Campbell, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I am so honored to be having this conversation with you and with these two other amazing ladies. Um, So when I switched to solely a plant-powered lifestyle, I felt like I had limitless energy. And I still do till this day. Um, I'm almost 30. And I feel more energetic than I did when I was 15. And it's just incredible. Even even in my earlier 20s, I definitely feel more energetic. So when it comes to protein, I just uh, honestly, sometimes I just don't even worry about it. I mean, I'll try to find the best sources. I definitely do a lot of sprouts. I definitely do a lot of leafy greens and I'll do a sprouted tofu. But I mean, as long as you're just getting a diverse uh, amount of food, especially like the living foods, the fruit, the fruit is where it's at. Um, mangoes, bananas, dates. It's just as long as you are really getting in those dark leafy greens, the, the um, dense, high caloric, whole foods, the fruits, As long as you're getting a variety, there is no way that you are going to be deficient at all.
2: Well, you certainly aren't, (laughs) which is wonderful to see. I think it's so cool when people can get out there in the bigger world and and let people know that that they're eating this way. Karen, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the importance of choosing organic produce.
1: It's... um Crucial to pick organic produce based on what I was talking about earlier, because it's the industrialized food is affecting everything. And so there's no choice at this point that it's very important to choose organic. Also, the fiber. We don't there's no fiber in animal food. There's little to no fiber in processed packaged stuff. Uh, The fiber is in the whole plant foods. And that is really what is, it, it acts like a vacuum, the fiber. And it's constantly cleaning the digestive tract. And it also increases the good bacteria in the gut. And so we know that good gut bacteria thrives on fiber. And just like Maria just said, fruits and leafy green vegetables contain a significant amount of fiber and they are like prebiotic foods, especially those leafy greens and the good gut bacteria loves them. Most probiotics, people think they can just eat anything and take a probiotic, but most probiotics, by the time they get down there, they're not even effective in the gut. Um, And so I always recommend for children with autism, eating uh, a lot of fruit, and getting in those leafy greens. And when I was working with Maria Victoria, that's what a lot of the focus was. And same with the other families who wrote for my book, the same things happened for them, whereas their child was turning around from many of the different symptoms of autism after going to a whole plant diet high in fruits and leafy greens. Cool. Now, Dr. Campbell, as, as the undisputed
2: expert on what a whole food plant-based diet can do for people in general and and the entire planet, can you just give us a little bit of background on how this works? We know that fruits and vegetables and beans are great foods, but what is really going on biochemically that, that makes this the only choice?
4: Well, you know, I uh, basically uh, um, have come to sort of view this, if you will, as a, as a fact or an image of nature itself. And uh, having said that, uh, what, the way I sort of came to that view through the research was that uh, when we were finding, for example, that animal protein increases cancer experimentally, I wanted to know how it worked. So I looked for the so-called mechanism, the explanatory mechanism. And as I went through that with a number of our students doing their doctoral dissertations over a few years, I kept looking for the elusive mechanism because if we could find that mechanism responsible for that amazing effect, maybe a drug could be developed. You know, So we could keep on eating that. But that kind of food. I finally came to realize there is no such thing as the mechanism. There's a whole bunch of things all, all happening oftentimes within the same cell, certainly within clusters of different kinds of cells and even between organs. And so, it, and then everything's changed within nanoseconds of time. So it's an extraordinarily dynamic system involving an extraordinary number of nutrients and nutrient-like chemicals working through, each of them working through, an extraordinary number of so-called mechanisms to produce a wide range of diseases. It's a phenomenon, it's an effect that I call holism with, with a W on it. Uh, and that's just nature That's just nature That's how we evolved And once I came to realize that uh, Which is kind of a In some ways almost a revolutionary idea I guess Because most people think of nutrition as This nutrient, that nutrient, this, this, this And then whatever uh, When in fact It's everything working together Everything working together And uh, when that happens And it's just sort of the wisdom of the body That one can see right there in front of us that and it's constantly changing. I say every millionth of a second, because all these different nutrients, they interact with each other, and Mother Nature decides how they should interact and makes her choices, you know, to which nutrients to take and so forth and so on. So that's how I really came to this point of view that the you know, as long as we're eating plants, whole plants at that, then we have access to all of these these goodies. And uh and then it goes from there and and it, it, it just makes it common sense that nature would not have sort of used this cluster of nutrients to solve that problem or and and then use a different cluster for a different problem. It doesn't do it that way. It just is one consistent grand scheme of everything working together. In your own unique ways for each for each occasion, whichever disease it might be or whichever health event it might be. So it's, I get very, very excited about you know, talking about it because it's a, it, it all of a sudden just sort of draws together, you know, a whole lot of what otherwise would be considered to be very confusing sort of observations. It's all this within is, one tent, if you will.
2: Wow. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I always used to think if, if we need all these nutrients – what did people living in more traditional cultures do? Because they, they didn't have cars and trucks and airplanes. They were just eating what was available in a relatively small space. But I think what I hear you say is that as long as it's all whole foods, they're probably going to do just fine.
4: That's right. Whole plant foods. Uh, we can stay away from – We we by the way, plants have all the protein we need. Uh, we do not need to consume animals to get the protein. And I say that uh, at one point I said it somewhat cautiously because I came from from a farm milking cows. And I did my doctoral dissertation in advancing the consumption of more animal protein, actually. So I I came from the other side of the fence. But it was was the science that I started to see uh, that really convinced me, you know, that's absolutely wrong and that we can get all the protein from plants. So setting that aside for a moment, we just stick with plants. As long as we're eating plants, whole food form, as we just mentioned, uh, rather than individual nutrients. If you take out individual nutrients from plants and try to administer them as, let's say, supplements or something like that, uh, they either don't work or they can have the opposite effect. So the emphasis really comes down to just using the whole foods, just the whole foods. So do you have any
2: examples there. Dr. Campbell of when they would have the opposite effect when uh, certain supplements can be harmful?
4: Yeah, there was a study back in the 1970s actually uh and then uh and continued through the 70s into the 80s showing that uh, among heavy smokers among heavy smokers those who had the highest level of beta carotene in their blood had as beta carotene is the pro-vitamin A, if you will, is an antioxidant. But in any case, smokers who had the highest level of beta-carotene in the blood, they had a lower risk for lung cancer. And, and it was a dose response relationship, remarkable. The more beta-carotene, the less lung cancer. And in fact, it was such that among heavy smokers who had the highest level of beta-carotene in their blood because they're eating plants, their lung cancer was essentially down to about zero. It was remarkable. So with that observation published in 1981, the group of scientists then got together to say, well, okay, well, if this is the case, why don't we take the beta-carotene out and put it in a supplement and organize a study to see if we can you know, prevent smokers from having lung cancer. So they did the study. It was intended to do, be uh, conducted for eight years, but it, it got stopped short at five years because the results were becoming so statistically significant. Namely, the people consuming, the the, 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 the smokers who had more beta-carotene blood, once again, they had lower uh, lung cancer, and it was highly significant, okay? In contrast, the people taking the beta-carotene in the form of a supplement didn't do that. It was exactly the opposite. The beta-carotene in the supplement actually was associated with an increase in lung cancer that was observed simply within five years' time. It was so remarkable. And uh, so the the only conclusion one can draw from that, and this has been replicated now since then, is that if you take a nutrient out of the food where it belongs and try to put it in a pill and sell it, it, we can't count on that having anywhere near the same effect, which in turn suggests that we should eat whole foods, of course. And now there are a number of studies showing this for other nutrients as well. So, I'm wow, not a, so I'm not a fan we need of to be sticking in to the
2: farmers market.
4: <laughs> Pardon?
2: I so so we need to be yeah. sticking to the farmers market instead of the pharmacy. Yeah,
4: that, that's a good analogy, yes. That's true. That is absolutely true.
1: And that uh, yeah. is go ahead, Karen. That that's why I was looking at who I wanted to do the forward of my book. And I couldn't think of anybody who would be more appropriate for this than T. Colin Campbell. And then when he told me that his son was a special education teacher, it just all fell into place because this book is more about bringing plant food to the community of autism than anything else. Well, I think I that's that. kind
2: of the way this whole movement is going. I think we're all taking these ideas into our communities. I know I'm I'm very interested right now in in getting these ideas in, into spiritual communities, yoga communities, and I'm sure Maria, you're doing that in the in the world of athleticism. So, uh, kind of one community at a time, we will achieve world domination. So, Karen, I know that you have three action steps that you wanted to share for any couple preparing to have children, what would those
1: be? It's so important that people prepare in advance. Um, And I talk about these principles in HEAL and Prevent Autism that, of course, one of the first steps is thinking about having a drug-free pregnancy and childbirth. It doesn't always end up that way. But if we prepare in advance and one of the best things that we can do to prevent having a a childbirth that involves a lot of drugs is to eat whole plant foods during pregnancy with an abundance of raw food. So that would be number two. Getting all of that high quality fiber in and excellent protein. I mean, even spinach for example, is 49% protein by calorie. So Dr. Campbell has always been right on it when he says that all plant foods contain quality protein. And all of these foods are also nutrient dense. So having a pregnancy with all these whole plant foods is key. And then also number three would be connecting with nature. And whether it's a couple preparing to have children or somebody who already has a child with autism, getting out into nature, sunshine, Uh, one of the families who wrote for the book um, is from India and they were living in the city and they their child with autism had a very low D3 level. And what did they do? They moved to a place where they could get a lot more sunshine and his vitamin D3 levels went up and his autism was was changed. His diagnosis was changed. He was no longer on the spectrum. Of course, that took time. But these are just some of the factors. So connecting with nature, getting exercise, movement is so important. A lot of these kids don't sleep well. So eating healthy whole plant foods, getting exercise, getting out and connecting with nature and getting some sunshine on the skin is all going to help to prevent and heal autism.
2: And it's just such a basic good well? sense.
1: It's very, very good sense. And it works. So Maria, um,
2: I'm I'm just thrilled to be talking with you as well as to Dr. Campbell and, and Karen Ramsey. And I know that you're excited to be here with Dr. Campbell. So do you have any questions or anything that little uh, back and forth you'd like to have with Dr. Campbell?
3: Yeah. Um, so I, just, I guess I just also wanted to add on to what Karen's three steps were as well, because I am a holistic birth and postpartum worker. That's like my... Um, driven career choice that God gave to me. (laughs) Um, So I definitely notice a big difference with women expecting mothers who are very more health conscious and have a more plant forward lifestyle versus ones that kind of have a more acidic diet. Um, The ones that do have more plant forward eating, they definitely have an easier labor altogether. And, um, they just are a little more in tune with their body and don't really ask for so much help from me versus someone, some of the moms that I've worked with in the past, they um, have a, if they're pretty acidic or if they, you know, don't really eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, their labor really kind of gets halted a little. Um, and they, they struggle a lot more. And I just, I just think that speaks volumes. And I really believe that peace on earth does begin at birth. And, um, if, if we can be a little more conscious about how we eat, um, cause that's going to fuel not only our bodies during pregnancy, but it's also going to fuel the baby. And, um, if you eat any type of food, um, about 10 to a dozen times during the the pregnancy your child is more likely going to gravitate to that food um so um as far as any questions for um dr campbell i mean i have so many but i feel like i don't want to take up all the time um ever but i i'm just really i'm really honored to be here um and having this conversation i've been following your work for many years now um you are the big reason why our family actually even dove into we watched forks over knives and that was kind of much the first jump start uh onto like our health coaching careers so thank you for everything that you've ever done for this whole community
4: thank you for the compliment thank okay. you <laughs>
2: And Dr. Yes. Campbell's latest book, uh, The Future of Nutrition, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And he was also uh, on this program talking about that a couple of months ago, so we'll link to that as t- uh, too. So, uh, Dr. Campbell, when you look out at the nutritional horizon, if you had just some really basic suggestions for anybody listening, what should they do first if they're feeling overwhelmed?
4: Listen to programs like this. <laughs> no, I, I really, I'm quite serious about that. We're, we're more opportunities to have public communication about this story is really great. And it really is increasing, of course, now in the recent years. Uh, there's another couple of ideas, too. I, I spent a lot of time in public policy in Washington and elsewhere. And so I, I saw what went on behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, many people now know is that medical schools don't teach nutrition. There's not a medical school in the United States that teaches nutrition. That needs to change. That needs to change. That, and there's a reason for that, because medicine as a generally practice is very reductionist in its orientation, which is in contrast to um, nutrition, which is holist. Reductionist uh, philosophy suggests that we can treat one disease at a time, assume one mechanism is involved, assume that one uh, particular chemical can resolve the issue. So that's the second thing is uh, it, the doctors aren't even, almost by intent, aren't offered this kind of information because it would be really seriously challenging in their entire, I'm, I'm talking about the institution, not about individual doctors, of course, and wonderful people, but, but the institution itself they aren't given the chance to really even learn about nutrition. So that's the second thing. And the third thing that I would suggest too is that being a policy especially, I know, I know how at the national level, uh, information like this is refuted. It's consistently refuted, it's proactive. And uh, you know, the, the powers that be uh, don't particularly want to hear this kind, of, want this kind of information to be voiced. So it has to be voiced, it has to be told it's time we get on with it. So those are things, as far as individuals are concerned, just try it. For those who doubt it, that's what I sort of said in the book, not, I didn't know it's going to be quite as successful as it turned out to be, but I said just try it and see what happens. Well, Wonderful. for many people like yourself, it's just amazing.
2: <laughs> so, Karen, we only have about 40 seconds. I want to give you the last word. What would you say to parents and really anybody listening?
1: I would just say learn, uh, learn, get books about vegan nutrition, learn about whole foods, hang out in the produce department. Um, get outdoors with your kids, make it fun. Um, that's what the families have done who have come to me. Um, and I, I do have my raw vegan course which is a certification course for people who want to become raw vegan coaches and uh, that's at my website feelfabulouswithfood.com um and i also the first and foremost is connecting with what it is to be a vegan um there's um, an important ethical part which always has to come along with the health aspect Amen. We've got to stop.
2: They're going to cut us off, but that's a beautiful place to end. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. Eat your veggies.
0: Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an
2: Awakening World. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on MindBodySpirit.fm.